Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Belgian Football Podcast. My name's Ben Jackson, I'll be your host and once again I am joined by Scott and Joris. How are you guys doing this evening? Hey guys, hello everybody. Um, I don't know about you guys but I, I felt that the opening match day weekend was slightly underwhelming um, which might have something to do with the fact that as we highlighted on our big bumper pre-season preview there's a lot of sides um, chasing their tail, not quite up to speed yet. And we saw a few performances from sides uh, this opening weekend that were pretty below par, including from a couple of the big boys. I can only second that, and we'll get into that uh, really quickly now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's kind of like the weather in this country at the moment, isn't it, in the UK? Just a bit a bit flat and grey and horrible. But there was still drama, and there's still plenty of us to get into uh, from match day one. Uh, we'll just quickly run through the results, then we'll dive into each of the games individually. Union got things off to a good start for them. They beat Anderlecht 2-0 on the Brussels derby on Friday night. Erpen drew 2-0 to Westerlo in a ridiculously stupid game. Uh, Charleroi drew 1-1 in front of absolutely nobody uh, with OH Leuven. Molenbeek, uh, they announced themselves back in the Pro League with a 4-0 defeat to Genk at home. Antwerp, they got their title race off to a good start with a 1-0 win over Circle Bruges. Ghent, they beat Kortrijk three goals to two. Club Bruges drew 1-1 in controversial fashion with Mechelen. And then St. Luden under Torsten Fink got themselves off to a great start with a 1-0 win at home to Standard Liège. So to the Brussels derby to begin our kind of review of match day one. Um, obviously, Union without a couple of key players and Teddy Tuma, he's moved on. No Victor Boniface. So Cameron Puertas came in. Uh, Rasmussen got a first start with Charles Van Hoot. Alexander Blessing, obviously, in the dugout as well. He stuck Dennis Eckhart up front and it was Dennis Eckhart who got the first goal of the season. Uh, quite kind of like agricultural, I guess they used to call it. Uh, AFC Wimbledon style, the long ball from the back all the way to the front. Uh, ball into space down the left-hand side for Loic Lapusan, always a winning runner. He takes first touch and sends it across to Dennis Eckhart, who volleys it past Dupe to make it 1-0. And they had plenty of chances, to be fair, Union, to uh, increase the lead, but that didn't come until the very, very end of the game, where Vertonghen was a judge to have handled the ball in the box. Seemed quite harsh, uh, in my opinion, to penalise him for that. It kind of like his hand was back and it, yeah. At first, I thought it just hit him on the back. Um, just see, yeah, seemed a little bit harsh. Cameron Puerta stepped up to get his first goal of the season. And I'm going to put put my neck on the line and say, I think it's going to be the first of many for Cameron Puerta this year. He is definitely one of my players to watch. Um, Scott, before I go to you, a couple of kind of takeaways from this that I'm sure you're definitely going to get into about Anderlecht just not looking ready. They're one of those sides that you said just, yeah, just didn't look ready. And, Bit concerned about uh, Dupe and goal, especially from crosses. It seemed like he'd never seen one in his life and just <laughs> didn't know what to do with them. Um, so, yeah, I guess, Scott, over to you, kind of thoughts on the Blessing era at the Joseph Marion and kind of what you saw from a disappointing Andalek side. Well, we've been talking a lot, haven't we, about recently about um, sides that are ready and sides that are not ready. And this game is a great one to start with, not just because it was the first game of the weekend, but it typifies that very point. I think we saw a side who 
are kind of ready and and did look pretty much up to speed. Um, I'm sure they'll they'll bring some more faces in Union um, and continue to improve. But I, I thought they didn't look bad at all. Um, Union actually released some quite nice nice footage on their their, their social media. Um, this week um, of the dressing room before the game and the, the pre-match team talk. And um, as you can imagine, Noor Alexander, blessing the way everyone knows him, um, he's always very good at um, addressing players and kind of getting across a, a message um, that, that players respond to early. Um, so go and have a look at that. That was that, that was really nice. But yeah, Union looking pretty decent, I thought. Uh, controlled the majority of this game, were, were worthy of the win. Um, took them a little while to kind of finish it, of course. Um, I did actually think it was a penalty, to be honest. It's one of those that's kind of, from an underlife perspective, very frustrating, obviously, but I did think it was a pen. Um, I thought it was uh, in real time initially as well, and then when I saw it again a few times, it just kind of confirmed to me that I, I felt that it was. Um, I'd have been screaming for it, that's for sure, if, if I'd been Alexander Blessing. But, yeah, he was his usual animated himself on the touchline. Um, on the other hand, Anderlecht were um, wretched, I thought, uh, really poor stuff. Um, not a lot happening there at all. They were much better in the second half, I thought. You know, the, the intensity and the aggression that you were kind of looking for um, was was there, but you know nobody was nobody was connecting. The the midfield looked pretty dysfunctional. Arnstad, Diawara, Nashimiro, you know, not not really clicking at all um, in the middle. And you know the the gap between you know them and and kind of Dolberg up front, just in in terms of service and and and, and space, was just you know just a bit horrible. And you know he just looked a pretty forlorn figure. He got into a couple of good. Uh, Spot Stolberg actually, um, but you know, just it wasn't it wasn't happening for them. Uh, Dupe worth highlighting him maybe for negative reasons, as you know Ben was saying. He came flying out for a couple of crosses um, on on corners and was absolutely miles off them. So uh, he's going to be entertaining to watch if nothing else. If if he's planning on coming for all the corners this season, but yeah, loads of room for improvement for Anderlecht. They look well off it at the moment. They they, they are going to bring in more. We know that, um, and there's still what a sort of month to go before the window closes. So there's absolutely no need for them to panic yet. But that performance level was was really really poor, and um, I'm sure that was kind of conveyed to them by Brian Brian Reimer afterwards. Worth mentioning as well, it's it's about the marathon, not the sprint. Of course, sorry to use the cliche, but um, they they will hope to do better um, at home this coming weekend. Yeah, just uh, I guess you guys said a lot of things already. Um, the, the, uh, the easy to say that as well that the the, the reinforcement that they have made at Anderlecht did not really perform in this game. Um, like Patrice on that first goal, that's not a good intervention uh, or well positioning for sure. Dolberg, yeah, that he had one big chance, he missed it uh, in a silly way uh, as well. And it could have been crucial as two um, DPS. You said already, both of you said, like not completely convincing uh, at at uh, at times, um, not reassuring his defense. Yeah, and on the, also they got their first shot on the after 38 minutes or something like that, if I'm not mistaken, and their first shot on target around the 85th minute, I believe even. So yeah, that actually in itself says everything. Um, how how it's 
how it how their evening went. Um, Union being denied by the woodwork twice in the opening half as well. Uh, first half they were really good. Second one uh, they were consolidating. Um, difficult to really judge them on this uh, a, um, on this game. Um, I find still. I still find it a very ridiculous penalty, um, even if it would have hit the elbow, which I'm still not convinced about because you can't judge that on a still image. Then that's been the proof in the media now that, okay, um, that's uh, that's another topic. Um, the theoretical good point about that is at least that it's most likely would not have changed the outcome of the game as it was already in injury time. But um, yeah, difficult uh to to say that uh, as well but the uh, poor performance from Anderlecht good uh, decent one good start for, for Alexander Blessing at Union uh despite all the players they have lost and um yeah the like I said on Union side I guess still a bit difficult to judge but good that they won and that they got another clean sheet as well so it's off to a good start yeah they absolutely love playing Anderlecht as well don't know Union just continue to pile on misery whenever they face them yep it's now Instead of instead of what instead of the seven nil that's been say, has been said like it's actually six nil one nil now in the tennis terms of course uh, that also have been used but not consistently so <laughs> just, gotta, <laughs> yeah, just gotta put that out as well. <laughs> I'm sure Andalek fans would love to hear that. Um, yeah, I think on Dolberg saying to you guys, yeah, as we've been saying, I think he just he needs to score within the next couple of games to really get some confidence back. Even just that, just get one off your knee. You know, just bundle one in. Who cares how you get one? But I think he, he desperately needs that. Um, speaking of goal scorers, when we looked at Erpen last week, obviously with um, the new striker, Bielek, injured, we're like, well, who's going to score the goals? And how do we miss Jentel van Genechten, guys? He, it was so obvious that he was going to be their, their star goal, the guy that's going to grab the goals. Uh, so they faced Vestalo at home in the first game under uh, Florian Kerfeld at the Kerbeg Stadion and yeah, got off to a a good start for them. Um, Sinan Bolat pushed the ball straight to van Genechten, who tapped it in in the 20th minute to make it 1-0. Warning signs, though, for Erpen were evident. Um, Leonard Merza, who we, we spoke about in, in the preview, um, I was quite bullish in saying I think he's he's a decent goalkeeper. He was on the bench. Uh, Nuruddin was back in goal. And I, I have a soft spot for Nuruddin uh, ever since that game where he played against Club Rouge, where he was actually completely unbelievable, uh, just making some fantastic saves. But he looked sketchy. He looked really sketchy. Oh. Like Dupe, crosses were just an absolute kryptonite for him. He just, he could not judge them. And too fair to Vesto, all their balls in were like kind of swinging away from the keeper. They're fantastic crosses. They just couldn't make the most of them and stick them in the back of the net. But they had plenty of chances with him bouncing into his defenders. Um, new man, Victor Paulson, uh, coming straight into the starting lineup as well for Erpen. So there's a little bit of bedding in to do there. But yeah, it didn't look great for Nurdeen, but it looked like they were going to get away with it after 55 minutes. Um, Vanden Bay with a ridiculously good strike for the edge of the box. That hits the post. Van Ganecton's there though, isn't he? He taps it in. Well, tap tap is probably a little bit of an understatement. It's a really nice finish to control it and put it in the back of the net. He looked absolutely baffled as to how he'd got himself a brace. Um, so fair play to him to for doing that. Uh, slight concern for Open with Kevin Merveld, one of their, their big signing basically in the window, going off at half time. I haven't seen an update on whether the like what that was for. Um but their bench was looking quite weak. Duroc obviously then just emptied his bench. Uh Newman Matija Frugan came on. 
uh, Lucas Stassen came on, uh, Kian Vassen came on, Lucas Vanino, Jan Burnett. He just started chucking all these players on. Uh, but that man, Nuadim, helped them get back in the game when he completely wiped out Matthias Fixels in the box. Um, it took a while for them to give the penalty and then with VAR as well, but it was pretty obviously a penalty, even though Fixels like, pushes the ball back into a place where he probably was never going to get it, but Nuadim just completely takes him out. Uh, upsets, uh, Nicholas Madsen, obviously no Maxime de Kuiper to take penalties this season for Veselo. Uh, he puts it into the bottom corner. Nuruddin, who has history of saving penalties uh, for, for Ghana in one of those random like tournaments they play where they face like Japan or someone like that. Uh, he gets us the right way, to be fair, but he just can't can't get there. Uh, then it's just all Veselo. Uh, Urpin didn't really have kind of the out ball to, to get the chances that they needed to kill the game off. Games running down, we get into extra, into added time. It's, uh, I think there's a corner comes in, Veselo uh, header, which is going wide. Nurdin goes to save it, which wouldn't have been an issue if he'd just either pushed it out or caught it. But he's, for some reason, he's beyond the goal and just pushes it straight back into within the frame of the upright where. Lucas Stassen on his Veselo debut is like, thank you very much. I'll stick that in the back of the net. Just an awful, awful performance from the goalkeeper. It just looks sketchy at the back foot open all all, uh, all afternoon. And I hate to kind of rag on the guy because I've wanted him to play. I've wanted him to be to be kind of given the opportunities. But I think after this performance, Kerfer's going to be kind of scratching his head and hopefully putting Moza back in or Moza's off finding a new goalkeeper because a performance like that has completely cost... Erpen, hasn't it, Joris? And you think they're a side that we think are going to be in a relegation battle. Those two drop points could be absolutely crucial by the end of the season. I know that's kind of a big thing to say after one game, but we we see it happen all the time. Yeah, obviously. And then additionally, with that being the only uh, playoffs in the, in the first division where there's no points halving, so here these points actually could be very crucial for sure, as we would imagine Open being in that or around that uh, at least uh, playoff. So if they are not in that, of course, that's a bit less of an argument. But I think everyone expects them to be at least in a fight uh, for, for that these playoffs. On the other hand, the the for the, for the upper up uh, the upper side for them is then maybe who uh, we were talking about their uh, lack of striker this uh, this weekend and now they have the top scorer in uh, in Van Gennecht, um, with two goals in two <laughs> true in true poaching style as well and really nice finishes at that even though of course uh, indeed at, at at least at the first goal um the he got some help from ball up there but uh, you know still still a good finish uh, to take it on like that but um, yeah that's uh, that's especially uh, must have felt either very sweet or very sour. I do not know how they feel about uh, uh, about his former club, but uh, he spent a big part of his youth career uh, in Westerlo, so um, yeah, at Westerlo as well. So yeah, that's uh, an additional element to that as well. You, know, you already talked about Nuhudin costing them. I guess I, I do not have to repeat that too much. Um, yeah, there, there are rumors. Uh, now we understand them a bit more. Maybe last week some rumors came out of uh, the American uh, Chelsea goalkeeper. Was it Solina or how is its name? Anyway, uh, linked to them. Yeah, maybe that, that could be a, a good uh, solution uh, for them after an, an early conclusion after one game, of course. But uh, there we go. From Westerlo's point of view, um, I, I found Frigans, um 
um, entrance in the Pro League actually a quite good one, even though he didn't score. Uh, I felt like he showed quite some good uh, things on his debut, some flashes. Um, yeah, but uh, in, uh, well, for Ristolo in general, they had a lot of shots, but in the end, they actually had uh, less on tar- shots on target than open, so they, they lacked a bit of firing power ultimately, though. Even actually there, this uh, eventual evil, evil equalizer, um, yeah, came after a, a shot that was not on target initially, of course. So, uh, yeah. Um, also, these were the first away goals. This is not so important, I guess, but the first away goals of the season were made by Vestilo, um as well. Yeah, I don't think there's a lot I can I can add to uh, what the guy said there. Um, I'm quite a big fan of Jentel van Genechten, actually. I just think he's a, a pretty decent young player, so it was nice to see uh, him doing very, very well, actually, um, this weekend. A couple of half chances, taking full advantage of them. Odd game slightly this, I kind of felt... Um, Open um, noticeably sitting quite deep, playing quite a low block for for a lot of the game, um, and you know we've talked about the lack of depth in their squad, which remains a worry. And they're one of the sides who really need to bring in quite a few um, to give themselves, you know, a, a real chance of of not being in a a, a scrap, um, which I think they will be, kind of regardless. Um, started uh, started quite brightly. You know, managed to get a two goal lead, and then partly because of um, tactical reasons, I felt anyway, in watching the game, just sitting deeper than they needed to, inviting the pressure actually. Um, and I think, from a Western low perspective, they're probably slightly frustrated they didn't win this in the end because although they managed to get away with a point. Um, they could have quite easily won this if, you know, that, that magic word we use a lot here at the BFP, efficiency, um, you know, had, had been, you know, a bit more uh, on point than they probably would have got the points in this case because I felt they were much the better side and thought when I was watching it that they might yet get it over the line. They didn't They didn't quite, but, yeah, I mean, those those, those things that worry us about Open were, were kind of there all to see, really, and I, I don't think they can afford um, to play low blocks uh, like they did in this opening weekend. I understand that. Um, why they would go into a game like this doing that. But I thought, really, you would, you would do that at home, uh, which is going to be where I suspect they're going to get most of their points as well. So that was a little bit concerning for me, I thought, and just kind of signalled a slightly negative mindset when they did, didn't need to approach that game in in that way. Um, so that, that, that was interesting for me. But, yeah, I mean, the, the sides that we've highlighted already this season has been ones that we think are going to be in real trouble didn't have a bad weekend all in all and that's that's one of the amusing takeaways for me yeah even Vincent that kind of like that low block there Scott and just kind of picking up on it I think as well like the problem they have is with Isaac Nuhu and Megan Charles Cook like good good players but they're not going to hold the ball up they're not going to always like I think I always think of Charles Cook as more as kind of a guy that wants to operate just in behind a striker who's more of a target man, which Nuhu obviously isn't. And you kind of saw it on the other side with Vestal as well, like Matsuo and Daki, I thought it was, it was a weird kind of strike partnership for Duruk to go with. And like you always said about, about Frigan, I think he's he's going to start quite soon um, yeah. because he he looks more like an out-and-out striker where those two guys are kind of like, like Daki's a bit like a Charles Cook and Matsuo is kind of more of a winger, in my opinion, than a, than a striker he's looked a bit like. So... I think there's that strike force. We'll probably see a different one as well in Fragit, Frigan, and, and Stassen eventually. Um, so, but to be fair, like if you're a 
a person that enjoys watching young emerging talent and looking for kind of like the next young players. Like Vessel are a team to watch this season, aren't they? They have so many young players that are really, really interesting. Um, hey, actually, since we're, we're talking about Westerlo Ben there, one of the things that amazed me this week was, and I don't know how I missed this, I came across this by chance when I was actually researching some, something else, Westerlo are the second highest spenders this summer, mm. so far anyway, um, and that, that slightly flabbergasted me. Um, worth bringing up, I thought. <laughs> yeah, it's all that Lyle Foster money, isn't it? They've They've been able to just kind of like reinvest it and... Probably bring in players that eventually they'll be able to sell for more. Like if Rigan comes off, like he was linked with some other kind of other clubs that would have been able to pay that money as well. So uh, it's they're they're an interesting side, and I think like the opinion on them will shift has shifted quite a bit in terms of where they're going to finish. In the sense that was a bit concerned, now less concerned if some of these players can come off. Um, Let's go to Charleroi against Leuven, which I don't know about you guys, but it gave me kind of throwback flashbacks to COVID times uh, of watching a game behind closed doors. It was very depressing. And I'd, you realise that without the crowd, it is it now again is so hard to watch football. Uh, it's quite horrible, to be honest, like, very echoey. Um, although, yeah, while I was watching it, my wife did come in and shout, uh, asked, like, who's Nathan? And I was like, what? She's like, who's the guy that keeps shouting Nathan? I think it was Mark Bryce shouting at Nathan Apoku <laughs> throughout the game. So <laughs> it's one of those ones that you can hear all that. So, yeah, she now knows a couple of footballers more than she did before. Nathan Apoku is one of them, which is quite niche. Uh, but it was the strike on the other side who had the first say in this match. Ode de Bag, the Palestinian striker on his first game for the club, he got them off to a great start in the 10th or 9th minute with a tapping at the back post after a nice cross I think it was from uh, Mbenza uh, if I'm not mistaken flicked onto the back post, he taps it in to make it 1-0 Charlois then kind of throw it away when his strike partner Nikola Stulic gets himself sent off in the 17th minute and after that Leuven have kind of all the ball and all the chances, they finish with 68% possession, 19 shots, just 5 on target and they just couldn't find anything in that first half. Um, Martins was on the bench. Codan uh, Nadri was on the bench. New signing Natural and Singi as well. They weren't the Opoku, uh, Vletinks and Paul Steinson. And again, I feel like I said this last year, but I still don't get what Vletinks brings to the team. Um, I just feel like in that sort of game, Indri's better, Singi's better. Like Get these exciting players on, uh, which he did do. Half-time, Indri straight on, Merton straight on. But they still struggled to find a way uh, through Charleroi until in the 83rd minute they got a penalty. Upsteps Nathan Opoku uh, finishes it quite well to make it one all. But Leuven can't find anything more than that. So a stuttering start for them. Uh, I'm sure Bryce will be frustrated, not just in the sense that they couldn't win, but also with kind of the state of the side. And he, he yeah, you know he'll want another striker in the, before the window closes, but at least his the one he did have, a Poku scored. Uh, and yeah, one all, it finished there. Scott, go to you first on this one. What were your kind of impressions, initial impressions on, I guess it's hard to judge Charleroi, they were down to 10 men, but Leuven with a man advantage. I thought Charleroi actually looked quite good, Ben. Um the, I felt, you know, they, they, they looked like a side who could score most of the time they went forward in this game. 
um, and in the spirit of sides that that look close to being kind of ready in terms of you know the level of intensity you would want in in competitive matches, I saw that in them for for most of the game. Didn't really see it in Leuven. Plenty of work still for them to do there. Um, Daba having you know it's my first kind of close look at him actually, and and he he did impress me. Um, I think he's going to score a few for them this season. Um, which is just as well because it's one of the reasons that they brought him in, um, and I suspect he could do kind of quite well um, in this side. Uh, Stulich getting sent off, I think, kind of derailed them slightly. They 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 started very very brightly and aggressively, Shalowa, um, and after that, I think you know it's that psychological thing. I think where players started to withdraw into themselves a little bit, and you could you could see them falling just that little bit deeper as a result of that. Uh, obviously, there's tactical tweaks as well that, that come into play here. But Charleroi, on the whole, uh, looked looked pretty decent, I felt. Um, and I, I think they're, you know, I, I said in the preseason preview that I think partly because of the Felix Mazu factor, but I, I think their squad's in a reasonable place. Um, probably does need um, another creative midfielder. Um, you know, the likes of Morioka, who's very much on the fringes now, um, high probability he's going to leave. Um, they just haven't been able to close any deals. There were a couple of clubs um, really quite interested um, in him. Uh, Kortrijk were interested in uh, taking him as well, but they couldn't agree wages. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where he does end up or whether he you know, he, he stays on until January. That's one to kind of keep an eye on. Um, Leuven, on the other hand, um, are, you know, this was a great example of having the vast majority of the possession but doing absolutely bugger all with it, to be honest. Um, really, really struggled. A bit like Anderlecht and, you know, just kind of couldn't connect. There was very little connection at all. Um, you know, no efficiency. Um, creatively speaking, they were they were really very poor. Ben highlighted the need for another striker just in the last couple of days. Um, Leuven have obviously been in contact with Antwerp, um, and um, Antwerp had offered Michael Frey um, in a part exchange deal. Uh, uh, for for Mandy Keita, who obviously was at Antwerp last season on loan, and that seemed to be set up and an agreement in place until Michael Frey decided, no, I don't want to go to Leuven, um, which from a Leuven perspective, actually, uh, probably would have been quite a decent um, uh, signing, actually, because he's, he's, he's proven himself over the last um, little while, Michael Frey, to be, you know, a pretty reliable striker um, at the pro league level, but he seems to, to, to want to leave Belgian football. That seems to be his priority. Um, but yeah, I, I felt that Leuven struggled despite having a lot of the ball and not really doing anything with it. And Mark Bryce was quite right, I thought, to look quite frustrated on the touchline. Yeah, from Lewis' point of view, not that many positives outside of maybe getting away with a point at least. Um, but, um, yeah, the, the, there can't really comment too much on them, um, I suppose, anymore. They had a lot of sterile pressure. Um, yeah, they, they got lucky with getting that penalty uh, as well. What else is there to mention from their side? Um, well, I only... Um, yeah, uh, wanted to highlight again that Keegan. That it, I, I won't do it all season long, but for now I'm still I'm a bit in the amazement mode, in not in a good kind of it that he's actually featuring in games now as well yeah. straight me away. Me too. And, me too. I second yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> but okay. Um, yeah. 
Um, what else? Oh yeah, yeah. And also the, the the good statistic for them that they have got going against Charleroi. Uh, they haven't lost a single one of their last six games. So the, also the last three seasons uh, against Charleroi, I believe the, the it doesn't matter too much. But like I think it's three wins and three draws. Um, and Charleroi, on the other hand, yeah, they they got they went for the first. I believe that if I'm not mistaken, uh, I will put that disclaimer. But I'm quite sure about it. It was the first Palestinian goal in the pro league so far as well. Um, I think he was like uh, that. Uh, Dabak is also actually the only, only the second Palestinian player to feature in the pro league and also at Charleroi. Uh, coincidentally, that uh, I believe there was one um, player I forgot his name, but that featured me in total 30 minutes across two games or something um uh, around 10 years 10 15 years ago and also they got their first red cards uh with that silly challenge from stulic um yeah i think it was a th- that decision was a correct one but um yeah definitely um yeah they they, they might without that moment the it looks like they might have won this game so they will be kicking their heads a bit um but um, yeah, that that's, that's things happen, I guess. And well, I for once I enjoyed it again to hear managers uh, scream and actually hear what they were saying um, and hear that they, what they were basically not saying that much actually as well, but uh, or nothing sophisticated uh, in in such games. Uh, naturally, of course, it's still it's a simple game football in all in all um, that we love to talk about, but it is what it is. Um, and yeah, I'd, I'd rather not see it too often this season anymore. Like with COVID, I can understand. Yeah, that that's a very valid uh, reason for it. But uh, let's hope there's no other reasons for, uh, for for yeah for empty stadiums again. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, so yeah, frustrating start for Charleroi and Leuven, kind of I guess in that one. Not so frustrating for Genk uh, when they travel to Brussels to face Molenbeek, who've obviously had the most ridiculous um, preseason. But now it was time for them to finally get onto the pitch, and yeah, Genk were just ready for them. Uh, Ali Fader after half an hour gave them a one nil lead. Brian Hennen then converted a penalty. Uh, to make it two, and just before half time, Daniel Munoz headed in from a corner to make it three nil. Carlos Cuesta then made it four from another corner in the 71st minute. Uh, Genk were able to rest a ton of players, a uh, bit of rotation. Vazovsky on the bench, Al Kanus on the bench, Tressel on the bench, Tolu also on the bench. Um, Joris, obviously, we got to go to you first on this one, but you were a little bit concerned about USOR as a striker. Um, but I guess when you're playing a team like Molenbeek, you kind of never know with a with a side that's had this weird kind of preseason. Will they just come out completely fighting and really take it to Genk, or will they kind of crumble? Uh, but in the end, you guys got the win, uh, even without a recognised striker on the pitch. But obviously, that's not something that what you want to happen continuously. But it's always nice to start with a four nil win on the first game of the season. Yeah, exactly. Well. Already on Molenbeek, I feel like they did something in the middle of those things they mentioned. They didn't really crumble. They did give it a good go to a certain extent. Um, like I, I was also still very worried about the the defense. But okay, I'll first talk a bit about Sor, I guess. Um, well, actually, not that much to say. I had a, a, a regular game, I guess. Nothing too, too shabby either. So I didn't completely get my doubts away too much. But given the results and um, yeah... Given his performance, like he didn't give me more doubts either. So uh, 
decent performance. And when you go with the four nil win anyway, anything else matters matters less, especially if there's also no injuries or guards uh, on this side. Indeed. Um, well, if you, um, yeah. I'm still, like I said, I'm a bit worried about defense still. Um, yeah, that uh, they gave away a lot at nil-nil, and even when they were um, one nil up, I believe uh, Molenbeek could have converted there on the scarce moments they they had on the counter. Um, yeah, I think we're not never really going to lose this game. Uh, the attacking uh, force was strong enough. I'm also applauding the. The rotation, uh, in a way, um, just to keep players happy, it's also necessary. And to be honest, with all due respect, this is indeed a game where you can try it without having too much worries about uh, losing, uh, dropping any points. But um, and it, it also worked out like that. Uh, Galarza had a good game, I felt, um, in on this the starting eleven debut after one year, so a uh, long-awaited <laughs> one as well. But um, yeah. Um, not uh, can't really make any make up much conclusions out of the game uh, from both sides. Maybe even three points in the back for Hink for Molenbeek. Unexpected loss, especially given circumstances with the the managerial crisis um, and um, yeah and and so on that came to them that last week. Um, so couldn't couldn't really expect much from them. Um, Biron had a good game for them, I felt, or at least a good first half. Mercier, actually, you could see he's still not fit. And now you know that from the three of us, I'm the least impressed with him. But he did show that if there is one player that, that could um, help them uh, a bit up the table later on, it's definitely uh, going to be him in combination with uh, Biron, Byron, uh, how I want to pronounce it, um, I don't know yet, but um, yeah, they they um, they definitely are key to the success, uh, potential success, uh, together maybe with uh, the newly acquired uh, Maktarge, of course, as well, um, and uh, Eluabi also had a, had a good game from their side, just want to highlight that. Uh, for Jenk, yeah, really not that much to say initially. Um, still strong on set pieces, even if uh, Trezor was not too involved with them. That's maybe the main reassuring uh, point as well. Like after all these scoring in the European game last week uh, on, a, on a set piece um, this week in weekend against Molenbeek, uh, they also scored uh, twice, where at least uh, Trezor was not the final assist giver. I think he was involved with the fourth goal from Cuesta, but... Um, yeah, that, that was a short corner in the, the cross game from Painsville, who had a few assists as well. So a good start of the season for him, even though he also made a few wrong choices, um, like we're a bit more used to from the past of him. So I hope that that's not going to happen to us. Uh, but yeah, cruise control win, I guess. And a clean sheet. I'm always happy with a clean sheet and an away win that both these things uh, did not happen that often uh, in the at the back end of last season. Yep, quality analysis uh, as ever from our, our resident in-house BFP Genki. Um, quality generally rises to the top and I think that's what we saw in this game. Um, it was interesting when I was watching it, kind of one of the things I took away from it was the fact that I think Molenbeek um, looked uh, two or three steps behind Genk um, in terms of their, their their speed of thought, basically, you know, you can see, okay, this is a side that are maybe going to take a few weeks to adjust to this level, albeit they're playing one of the top pro league sides. 
in their opening game, which obviously doesn't help. But um, yeah, I think it's going to take Molenbeek, you know, maybe three or four weeks to kind of get used to this uh, this level. Um, so in some regards, this game is a bit of a free free hit for them. But I thought the, the, the Genk performance was arguably team performance of the weekend. I thought they were generally looking really good. Um, uh which isn't a surprise, you know, with the the quality and, and depth in that squad that we've talked about. And, you know, Joris was talking about the, the rotation, which I know is a bit of a worry for him kind of before the game. Um, you know, no signs of that at all. Everybody looked kind of quite hungry to me, which is very encouraging. And Wouter Rankin looked noticeably relaxed throughout pretty much the entire uh, 90 minutes. One of the positives, obviously, from Molenbeek is they were better in the second half. Um, I thought they they held on to the ball a bit better, and their 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 use of the ball and distribution was was a little bit more positive. Um, so they kind of gathered themselves, you know, reasonably well. But of course, the game was already gone completely by that point. Um, another positive for them, I suppose, is since this result this weekend, they've brought in three new faces as well. So that gives a uh, new T1 Claudio Cacapa um, some nice some nice selection problems ahead of I think it's uh, Leuven they play this weekend, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Uh, away yep. from home. Yeah, I think to be fair to uh, Modern Beat, like, we're not going to judge their season on their results against Genk. Like, that's just not the teams that they're going to be competing with this season. So it's kind of like a welcome to the Pro League, now settle in. Uh, size like Leuven, you'd think that's kind of where they're going to need to be picking up points if they want to avoid finishing in the bottom four. One side that will probably want to be going toe-to-toe with Genk at the top of the table are Antwerp, obviously last year's champions. Um, they had a tricky first game of the season against Circle Bruges. Uh, obviously, no Ueda for Circle. He's off to uh, Feyenoord, I believe it is, uh, for around about €9 million. Euros, so another tidy profit made by the Circle boys. Um, so instead, it was Mr. Denki and Gaboho up front for them. Unfortunately, uh, Edgars Utkus had to come off uh, with an injury. That's another injury Utkus has suffered. It's a real frustrating kind of time for the young Lithuanian uh, defender slash midfielder. We wish him all the best and hope it's a quick recovery from this one. But I think it's going to be another couple of weeks, which is yeah, super, super frustrating because when he has played, he's looked like he's got some potential. However, uh, it was a new man on the other side who made the difference for Antwerp. Uh, ball over the top to an on-rushing Jakob Ondrejka, uh, the Swedish international, very young Swedish international. He races through, tries to square it for someone else as Fatherson runs out to stop him. Uh, unfortunately for him, there's no other Antwerp players there, but fortunately for him, Jesper Darland is just at full stretch to try and clear it and sticks it into his own net. A really unfortunate own goal from Darland, and that was it. That's the only kind of deciding factor between the two sides. Um Circle struggled to get any shots on target, just one in the whole game. Antwerp had about 15 shots, but only four of those were on target. And they had the majority of the possession as well. Scott, I mean, for Antwerp, it's nice to start with a win. Uh, Circle are obviously a tricky side. One of the sides that you're, when you look at it on paper, in terms of the side they stick out, they're pretty much the same team as last year. So they're ready. And to be fair to Antwerp, it's pretty much the same on their side. So this was kind of a battle between two sides that, that know each other from last year as well, got some of that familiarity, both ready to go, which probably explains why it was a close, cagier game than we saw elsewhere. 
Yeah, in truth, there wasn't really a great deal in it in this game, and I didn't think there would be um, because of the physicality that Serka were going to bring to it. You know, we, we talked a lot last season about Antwerp's physicality and their power um, across the pitch. Um, and, you know, I was aware kind of going into this game this weekend that this would be close for that reason. You know, that power coming up against the physicality and the press of Circle tactically was going to make for kind of quite an interesting game. And Circle gave a, a pretty good account of themselves, I think, and were pretty up for this game. They forced a lot of um, early errors uh, in, in Antwerp and were kind of unlucky, I felt, not not probably to, to go ahead on a couple of occasions. They couldn't quite manage to... Uh, be clinical enough when the, when they got into those key positions, you know, in in, in winning transitions, um, in in the final third. Um, but for much of this game, they they, they looked pretty decent. Miro Muslic, um, circles T one, of course, uh, very amusing, and his, his press conference um, ahead of this game is very complimentary about you know Antwerp obviously being the the triple champions as he referred to them in in his press conference, obviously being league league champions, cup winners and, and winning the Super Cup recently as well for the first time. Um been very complimentary about that. And he said, you know, you know, make no mistake, after after the hugs, um, we're gonna get stuck in, uh, which which I thought was, you know, really really, really nice. Um always has a good press conference and I'm big Miron, um very good with the media now. But yeah, a, a very tight game and I think Antwerp will actually be really quite pleased to get away with the points in the end because Circle are a difficult side to play against. Um, and you know, if any side perhaps has the profile to maybe take some points off off Antwerp these days, it is it is a side like um, Circle, um, and and in many ways, from a Circle perspective, this is an ideal league opener as well. Um, you don't really want to have a slow start, so I suspect in many ways. Um, Mira Muslich and his staff will probably have been secretly quite pleased that this was their opening fixture um, because it you know, demands that you start at a certain level and um, the, the expectation levels at Circle in terms of performance are actually kind of quite high from a physical point of view, as we know. So in, in many ways, this was an absolute ideal start for them. They'll just be slightly disappointed that you know they, they, they couldn't get anything out of the game in the end. Yes, I, I I suppose so. But um, the one thing I want to say about Circle as well, which makes it a bit more difficult to win games, is um, that they did not have many shots on targets. Actually, only one. Um, there was also a header from Swarmers in the second half, I believe. But I think that didn't count in the end because uh, there was a whistle for a foul or an offside uh, before uh, in the end. But um, yeah, that 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 one was a big chance for Dinky in the beginning, of course, when it was still nil nil. That could have completely changed, have changed the course of the game. Um, but in the end, it was a, a casual victory. Like uh, we are a bit gotten used, we got a bit used to that one uh, style of victories from Antwerp. Um, I suppose uh, just a, a good, a good clean sheet, and um, yeah. Sadly, maybe not too flashy, but um, enough to, to get it over the line. Uh, it's also from Circus perspective a bit sad uh, that this is the second time in a row that they lose uh, 1-0 or with one goal difference at least uh, against Antwerp through um, two own goals from uh, their defenders. Uh, but okay, this one was a bit less clumsy than the one that uh, Popovic had uh, in April. Uh, and um, yeah, that, that, that was a clumsy one. Uh, this one... He had to do something, I guess. And, uh, yeah, he, he got a bit unlucky with that touch, even though he did not really have a great game. 
overall but um yeah that's uh that's apart from that specific phase yeah on Antwerp, yeah like i said not that much to say nothing too flashy but a good win uh for Cercle. yeah uh there was just a bit a bit like well is technically there was uh, a lot of space uh which will happen with teams with play a high press behind the defense in the in the corners and um yeah that that uh, Antwerp exploited that really well in this game uh, as well a lot, especially the 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 space that I was uh, behind Sike. Um that's nothing against the player it's a bit of part of the system so either that's tactically really good from Antwerp or uh that's uh that's a point where Circle as a on a whole should have to work on but I think it's something they have to take with this style of play anyway uh, but um, yeah, uh, that's uh, that, w- that was quite remarkable. So even in the end, also the goal comes from there. But even before that, there were quite some phases where, uh, yeah, the Antwerp played the ball really well in the in behind Sike uh, um, on the right side, and um, yeah, they, they they managed to create some uh, dangerous situations out of that. Um, yeah, all in all. Um, both AGs were under uh, underneath one, so Antwerp had 0.84 and Cercle 0.66. Yeah, that's that's quite even. It was quite an even game. Cercle gave a good go, but in the end, um, well, I suppose it deserved victory for Antwerp. And um, yeah, also, I guess it was really important who scored first in this game as well. And uh, yeah, that's uh, that was Antwerp. Yeah, it certainly was, and their title defense is up and running. And yeah, interesting what you said, Joyce, about kind of like that exploiting the space and stuff like that. And it's just that classic case of as a coach, you have to take that decision, don't you? Of do you adapt your style of play to kind of counteract your opponents, or do you think no, we'll, we're going to play our way and hope that they have to then adjust to counter us? So yeah, I guess the early season is where you kind of say we're just going to play our way and see what happens because like it it shouldn't matter in the long run. Um, new coach in the dugout for Kortrijk as they travel to Ghent uh, obviously Ed Still is the new man there um, eyebrows raised I guess you could say with the uh, with his first team sheet with uh, Monte Montegnis uh, the 17 year old I believe he's 17 years old uh, kid just into midfield who from what I've read doesn't even have a like pro contract with the side yet uh, but he was shoved straight into central midfield uh, for their game at Ghent and it got off to a good start for Courtside. The side we all expect to struggle, but if there's one player that has the quality to keep them up, it is uh, Kadri. And as the new captain, he got them going with a lovely finish in the fifth minute after a nice one-two uh, on the edge of the box. Uh, it lasted about three minutes um, before Ford <laughs> Alexander Radovanovic, who was deemed surplus to requirements last year, was going to be let go. They loaned him out, I think it was to the to the States, wasn't it? But he's now back and they kind of need him to play. Uh, but he had a, a terrible own goal. Uh, just, yeah, awful, awful own goal from him. Poor old uh, uh, Tom Vandenberg had kind of no chance with that one. Uh, that made it one apiece. Hugo Kuypers then scored from a corner. Uh, he was sporting the old sock on the head uh, injury thing, but that didn't stop his header going into the back of the net. 
Gift Orban then scored on the counter-attack to make it 3-1 for Ghent. But then Felipe Avenatti with a really nice header in the 88th minute gave them a little bit of cause for concern, but they did see that one out. Um, Still, after the game, was pretty happy, as you can imagine, with his side's kind of performance and the fact that they they scored some goals and gave as good as they got from Ghent. Also said that uh, the the kid, Montenegro, is kind of... He's impressed him in pre-season and he deserved the chance to play there. Um, and he said if he keeps impressing, he's going to keep playing uh, no matter his age. So that's the nice kind of one to see as it evolves over the coming season. Uh, Joris, go to you first on this one. Were you impressed with what you saw from called Trite, considering that we expected them to really, really struggle? Um, and yeah, your opinion on Ghent as well, with obviously Kuipers and Orban getting on the score sheet. Impress is maybe a bit too positive about it, but they did indeed show a bit more than I expected in this first game, uh, as I did not think they would be as ready as they were, uh, especially in the first minutes of the game. They really took the game to hand and scored deservedly as well. But um, yeah, that's uh, that's that's uh, that's that's good for them indeed. Montigny getting his debut, like you mentioned, seventeen-year-old. Also, uh, De Kula getting uh, his debut in, uh, on as a sub late uh, later on in the game. Um, that's all another part to say about Kortrijk. Uh, then also that uh, the defense on on Orban's goal, I, I can't get over it. it. It was so clear that that ball was going to be played and that that needed to be. <laughs> uh, that he would have, that he needed to be put offside. I believe it was by Joao Silva who kept him onside. But okay, that's uh, that, that that I found that honking defending, like our Scott would say. <laughs> and, uh, the finish itself was great, of course, but uh, and then like the way Kent played it as well. Um, that it, it was how it needed to be done, but it was a bit too easy uh, to my liking. But um, yeah, Scott scoring like with his. Uh, with this, uh, with the, with the, uh, with this, uh, the bandaid, uh, the bandaid against uh, around his head. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, that was also an interesting one. Maybe, maybe that's a bit of a cheating. I, I, he might have scored with it <laughs> with an additional instrument. But okay, I guess that's a dead object, uh, so to say. And in the <laughs> in the game, uh, I don't know if that actually that might have been in a too literal translation. But like, yeah, like the corner flag. An element of the game that that is allowed that uh, can influence things that unexpectedly, um, yeah. For it's still the first uh, time he loses uh, his first game again at uh, at his uh, new team. Um, so that's the negative statistic on on the first for Gent. There was a positive first in winning their f- well first not in history first, but the first time in twelve years that they uh, got uh, the win on their opening day game um so that's uh, uh they, I'm, I'm i'm glad i'm sure they will be pleased with that and also that they will have been a little bit scared with that late um consolation goal in the end uh from from uh Avernati. uh now we can say consolation goal but on that point it, it brought, really brought um Kortek back into the game uh and um yeah a little bit of a scare for a hint there but um yeah the deserved win for Gent, all in all, but Kortrijk played um, decent more. Like I like I like to say, I'll try to ban this word out of my vocabulary, but so far I'll keep it at decent, which is better than I, than I and I believe all of us expected on the opening day uh, for them. 
Yeah, Ed Still's been talking um, a lot recently about how he wants to try and surprise people this season, which, to be fair, I think he's going to have to do um, because we've highlighted them as being a side that we're quite worried about. But um, the plan um, on on Ed Still's part, obviously, is his. he was describing what he wants and uh, the words he was using that I took away from it was a, a young and dynamic side. Um, which is something that you know Circle Bruges have, have, have really developed and, and um, seems to be working very well as, as, as the model for them. So he wants a young and dynamic side. And when you have a look at the, the side that he actually put out there, you know, you have Dion Deneuve, uh, who's obviously still developing. He's, he's 22. Uh, Martin Wasinski's back on loan. He's, he's still only uh, 19. Um, Joao Silva, a little bit older, um, at, at kind of twenty four. Uh, Embayo's twenty one. Uh, Misato's twenty. So you know the these are this is this is a young side. So you know to go to the Gemelco and and take on the Buffaloes and and for the most part be quite bright. They started much the better side. Uh, Cortrike scored scored a lovely goal actually, um, and then you know in true true hilarious uh, footballing style um, threw it all away with an equally hilarious uh, own goal um, in terms of its quality and within only kind of three minutes. I think Ghent's quality kind of allowed them to get a grip of the game you know much later on and kind of turn it turn it around really. Um, and you know when you've got firepower like Kuipers and Orban on the pitch. Um, then you know you, you can afford to go behind in a game in in truth and 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 still turn it around. Um, decent stuff for them. Big Ein will be, I think, reasonably happy with that. Um, you know, as, as he should. And Joris is right to highlight this is the first time since uh, twenty twelve. You know that they get the opening day win, which while in itself is not significant, um, is one of those stats that kind of surprised me when I, um, you know, when we were discussing that they the other day so it big thing to look out for of course still a long time with the window open still a month as we were saying earlier one of the big questions is will gift orban still be there because obviously there's lots of interest in him at the moment a couple of big french clubs um openly interested in him and uh, tottenham have made recent contact with his entourage as well because we know there's an ongoing situation there um, regarding Harry Kane and Willie, won't you leave? Tottenham obviously have identified Gift Orban as a potential replacement for Harry Kane. Yeah, we're interested to see how long Orban stays uh, for this window. But yeah, again, like that stat kind of says, doesn't it? They're just they have been slow starters in the league. So I guess for for Hein and the fan, it's like finally let's let's start with a little bit more momentum this season than last. Uh, Courtrike, obviously, they did have just brought in a new left back, uh, Romanian international left back. I can't remember quite remember his name, but they also brought in a striker from Cardiff City. Uh, I think it's Isaac Davis, twenty uh, one year old striker. So yeah, interesting to see how he kind of settles in. Yeah, let's see what happens there. Let's go to Bruges, uh, another side that wanted to get off to a good start. Uh, under new man Ronnie Dyler. They were up against Carve Mechelen, um, obviously under Stephen Defour, uh, Leon Lauberbach leading the line for them, Thiago leading the line for Club uh, Bruce. But lesson on the bench to start this one and a couple of the other new guys on the bench as well. Maxime de Kuiper getting the start over Bjorn Meyer at left back as well. So that's an interesting one, although but because of how things transpired in this one. <laughs> it looks like Maya will be back in for the next game. Um, 
Lots of chances for Club Bruges, but it was actually Mecklen that took the lead. Rob Skews with a fantastic goal in the 38th minute to give them a 1-0 lead. Uh, 21 shots for Bruges at the end, five on target. And uh, I think they were fortunate with their chance to get back in to the game when they were ordered a penalty uh, for a, in kind of those little two-finger hyphen marks, a foul on Thiago. I think he's already going down. In my opinion, it's just, it's really, really soft. And I can see why the referee didn't give it initially because it just looks like, it's just got kind of like a tangle of legs, if you know what I mean. But he's already going down, so it doesn't really make him go down. It doesn't like affect him from getting a ball or anything like that. So really, really soft. Uh, but he steps up and his penalty is fantastic, to be fair. Absolutely smashes it. Um, past Gaetan Kuk. And then it's kind of, it's all club, but Mecklen are having these chances on the break. They just, they just don't really seem to have the pace of an out ball until in the 76th minute, they finally are breaking. I think they have, a, it must have been like a three on one at this point. Uh, Lauerbach, he's, he's got to find a pass to one of the two wide players. Instead takes an extra touch and then just gets taken out by Maxim de Kuyper. Uh He's shown his second yellow, um, which then leads to this farcical situation where VAR has to intervene and the referee has to go to the monitor to then just give him a straight red. But he doesn't give him a straight red. He just sticks with the second yellow. It was just the most pointless passage of play ever. And it was just a complete waste of everyone's time. Uh, I think Yorish, you said to us in our in our little WhatsApp chat, you're like, why don't they just tell him to to make a decision? Why do they need to go to the, the bench anyway? Like, it, it was just a, all a bit stupid, uh, to be honest. I think it probably should have been a straight red because he was the last man and they were through on goal. So it was either Lauerbach was going through or the player that the ball was going to, he was actually going to pass the ball to was going through. Uh, club go down to 10 men. Mecklen can't then find a winner anyway, uh, but they come out of uh, Bruges with a point. Disappointing start for um, for club, Scott. Uh, not the one they would have expected. I think there were some missed opportunities. I think there was a couple of times Thiago was too selfish. Uh, he could have played the ball to any one of number of players running down on the on the flanks, but he didn't. So it's some kind of easing in, I guess, that's going to happen there. They've got Zinkanagel coming in, so he'll bring a different dynamic, but they've now got quite a few of those kind of players that don't want to defend, <laughs> but will play in a more attacking position. So interesting to see kind of how Dyler gets it all in. But I guess as a Mecklen fan, you probably, if you'd been offered that result at the beginning of the night, you'd have probably taken that as a, yeah, 1-1 one, one away at the Ambridal. We'll, we'll have that all day. This was such an interesting game tactically, I thought, um, and a really intriguing one to watch, I felt. Um, Mecklen obviously went into this knowing that the that, that club were going to have the majority of the possession, and Stephen DeFore has, has set Mecklen up um, essentially to play a counter-attacking game here, um, which is always difficult. Uh, I mean, I think Mecklen, you know, at full strength, kind of have the players who, who can play effectively um, like that but you're also you know when you go to a place like the Ambridal and you're the away side against club you know as I was saying you know you know you're not going to have most of the ball probably but you're inviting that pressure on um, which is kind of odd for a side like Mecklen who generally try to play on, on, on the front foot so I thought that was absolutely fascinating from a tactical point of view 
Um, Rob Scoof scoring, you know, a really nice cheeky goal, um, setting the cat amongst the pigeons. Ronnie Dyler looked quite frustrated during a lot of this game. And, you know, Ben was talking about, you know, kind of missed opportunities, wrong choices, kind of key moments. And I just, you know, it's that thing about composure, really. They just seem to rush certain things, I think, um, club. You know, maybe in another day, you know, they, they, they would have scored a few here if they'd, you know, just, just been a little bit more composed at kind of key moments. Um, but because this was so fascinating tactically, Mecklen could quite easily have won this, you know, had they taken the chances they created themselves and really arguably um, should have, you know, missed a, missed a couple of, um, you know, really, really bad ones. Uh, one of which actually had me gasp out loud when I was when I was watching it. Um, so, so bad was it um, with, with, with the one-on-one with the through ball. Um Bolongoli obviously going off um, injured. Um, I was slightly disappointed that Belgali didn't start ahead of him, actually. Um, but ironically, I think Bolongoli is going to be out for a few weeks now. So we're probably going to see Belgali get a few starts, which might not be a bad thing um, because he's a very exciting young player. And it'd be nice to see him get a little run. And I, I think at his best, Belgali is actually a better player than the more experienced Bolongoli. So it's funny the way kind of things things work out. Mecklen, from their perspective, will be absolutely delighted with the point. Um, they did look really disappointed not to have won it because they nearly won it with a you know a cheeky deflection right at the very death as well that that, that went really really close to going um, in the the right side of the post from their perspective, but yeah, Ronnie Dyla I think will be just a little bit frustrated um, that you know that they, they couldn't get the the opening day win that they wanted um, because they've been quite good in in, in Europe up till now and, and looked like. They were getting up to a good level. I was slightly disappointed in club, and I have a feeling that Ronnie Dyla doesn't quite know his best eleven yet, which is probably understandable with, with some of the quality at his disposal. Now there are players there who I would expect him to be starting that 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 didn't. Um, and he did say before this game that you know they played so well in Europe against our house uh, that he, he decided to start with the same eleven that that were so convincing in in the their game against them. You know a few days beforehand. But um, perhaps he should have uh, rotated a little bit more. But yeah, a generally fascinating game this one. Yeah, Scott said a lot there. Belgali really had a good game. I wanted to highlight him as well. Um, well, when as from when he came on, of course. Um, yeah, for Lebrugge mainly frustrated. Well, for both sides in the end, I get a bit of a frustration, frustrating game. Um, main point for Lebrugge outside of the points loss, which I suppose can happen. You don't want it on your opening day, of course, especially as a manager, but it can happen. Uh, but uh, also losing Skoff Olsen uh, again with injury worries, that's that's uh, uh, yeah, that, that's actually a main uh, bigger worry for them longer term. But um, at Mechelen, I found it interesting that they're still trying to play out from the back uh, and, it, and it worked quite well, to be honest. But I, I, I always had the idea like, oh, this is not going to go a well whole, whole game. It actually did not completely, but Klubrugge, um did not take uh, the advantage of, uh, the, of the situation where they actually intercepted the ball uh, right after Kukas. Um, uh, pass or uh, was it a right, at least a dangerous pass in the defense that they intercepted and they couldn't convert only on it um yeah i guess you, you guys said everything else uh, mainly yeah um 
definitely not nice to start uh, without a win here for for Klubrugge. For Mechel, in the end, frustrating because of uh, yeah, the, the refereeing decisions uh, there. But uh, and also, well, I guess great goal from Schoofs, really well seen. So uh, definitely, do not want to take anything away from that. But also from a goalkeeper from me, as uh, from me, less quality and experience would expect that he. Uh, that his positioning would have been better um, because the ball is is in the end not even. That's uh, again still not re- not really t- taking away from the goal, but not really in the corner of the goal. But it's 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 going in uh, because of like the pace and the trajectory in general, but also because of uh, uh, Mioles' suboptimal positioning. Uh, I guess uh, I would say, um, yeah. But yeah, uh, Sarah points lost for for Klubrugge. Uh, uh, a point they would have would have signed up uh, would have signed for before the game for Michele. After the game, well, I guess both teams will feel a bit frustrated. So it is some uh, as a is a result that that every, everyone in the end will will have to live with, but also uh, can live with um, after all. Yeah, no, I think that sums up quite nicely. And uh, yeah, I mean, if if I'm sure he'll be fine, but if Mignone doesn't continue to perform, maybe we'll see some Norden Jackers, uh, who's obviously joined the side on loan as the second choice keeper for a season from uh, Leuven. Uh, let's go to the final game and new manager Torsten Fink uh, at St. Tudent. Really, not I wouldn't say I was excited to, <laughs> to watch them, but intrigued to watch this new look St. Tudent side because obviously the Hollerback era, you knew what you were going to get. Uh, from the side, they were going to be very strong defensively, but not the most exciting going forward. So I was like, is that going to change? And I was quite pleasantly surprised with what I saw um, from the Canaries against Standard Liège. They looked a little bit more dynamic. They were very young, especially in the midfield. Uh, Delore Knieper making, um, I don't know if it's his first start, but it felt like his first start. I don't, can't remember seeing him. Uh, Van Helden, uh, he was on loan in the Dutch second tier, I believe it was last year. He uh, came in to play centre-back. Uh, alongside Bruno Gadu, who definitely looked like the elder statesman at the back there with Smets as well. Uh, Ananu got his debut. Ito uh, Koita was back in. We'll have to talk him and then Fatty Kai leading the line. Both sides kind of feeling each other out, I guess, in this one. But in the second half, yeah, I got really impressed with St. Trudeau. They were creating a lot of chances, but it hasn't really changed my opinion of them, which is like, if they had a striker, they'd it'd feel a little bit different. And they just they just couldn't find the back of the net for some just balls across the box where you're just crying out for someone to get on the end of it and stick it in to the back of the net. Standard were quite disappointing in that sense. Um, they looked quite vulnerable at the back and it it felt like Ed, another team would probably have punished them a lot more uh, than St. Sweden did, but they did eventually get the winner with just four minutes to go um, before the 90th minute when Amubakai Koita, who did not score at all last season, uh, but he only seems to score screamers. And this one was a, another screamer from him as he cut in from the right-hand side and smashed it uh, past Bodart into the back of the net. They managed to keep out standard for the whole game. Clean sheet, won the win. Massive, massive uh, kind of cheer from Fink and his staff at the end of the game. The team, yeah, they looked like they had a bit of togetherness and cohesion. Uh, maybe it's because you've got some of these young players that have come through the academy there kind of playing and... Um, you know, I think go to you first on this one, but I know that kind of the, the Belgian media, the kind of like the local media um, around the club were like, finally, we're seeing some of the youngsters play and it's kind of what they've been wanting. But then they're also like, but we could probably do with a little bit more experience to go alongside these guys as well because it will help their development. But 
early signs, like, yeah, they were quite a, a nice team to watch, but I still think goal scoring wise, they're going to struggle. Whereas for standard, it was, yeah, you could kind of feel that there was something missing. And that something missing in my mind was Steven Azate and Philip Zinkanagel. Um, just the, the, that quality. And it, this is kind of what we said last year when Amalo or Raskin were kind of playing or not playing. You just felt that they lacked a bit of quality. And I think that kind of did show in this one. Yep, uh, for Stanlar, I actually only have one note uh, here, which is just not good enough yet. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, that, I guess that sums it up. But they're not alone in that, as you could hear throughout this whole episode already. But, um, yeah, they're definitely also one of these teams that are still a bit in uh, in construction, so to say. And, yeah, in, uh, yeah, in the end, they could have gotten away with a draw, uh, but um, maybe it was in the end a deserved win for... Uh, although both teams only had three shots on target uh, as well. So, yeah, also quite low XGs, also both underneath uh, one, the, under the one bar. But, um, yeah. Um, also, here I was uh, uh, last week again uh, saying that I don't like the trait of these players like Koita. Well, I actually had forgotten about Koita in this uh, summation, but uh, Ben brought it up in our bumper preview um, in... Yeah, then he scores uh, his first goal in 12 months, or in 16 <laughs> months or something, even April last year, I believe. In a long while, you you, you have it in you, in your head that he scores some a few each season every, um, every time. But yeah, this time it had been a bit longer um, also because he was playing a bit less last season as well, I suppose. But uh, yeah, really, really great goal, really good hit. Uh, and Sintrada already have as many wins uh, as they had uh, last season after five games. Uh, so that's encouraging for them, um, definitely, especially since they are definitely also still one of the teams that are, I was worried about before the season. Still, still, I'm a bit worried, but yeah, we'll have to also to see the, because Japanese players, some of them seem to be really good prospects. I can't really judge them yet, um, so that that that's the, um, a bit of a step of in the unknown, in uncharted territory. Good win for them, at least, and indeed, um, I, I believe many people are happy that there's also uh, around these Japanese players. There are also again a few young Belgians, uh, local players, um, playing uh, to to get a bit more of the identity back in their playing style as well. Um, let's see how that continues because the first game of a season is always. Um, well, a difficult one, especially in in, in this sense, since um, yeah, some of those players might not feature anymore at all when there's more reinforcements. Some of them might uh, have gained their spot for the whole season. Um, we'll have to see how how it continues with those uh, with the pack there. And um, yeah, well, good win for them and a clean sheet as well. Yeah, I think um, I think in the case of Standard, um, it's a bit like the story with Anderlecht um, this past weekend. It's just just wretched stuff for them, really, and absolutely nowhere near good enough. I'm not telling them anything that they obviously don't need to uh, don't already know themselves. Carl Ofkins, obviously today in his press conference um, was asked about the level of performance and did say that you know the the club are working very hard to improve the depth and. and quality of what they have there um but in the meantime he was going to continue to work hard with the you know the cut the current group so he's well aware of the the the, the existing issues 
Um, and I think it's just hoping that over the course of the next month that, you know, they look that little bit stronger than they do at the moment um, because they're going to certainly need to perform a much higher level week in, week out if if, if they're going to, you know, have a reasonable season. Um, really disappointing from them. St. Truden, on the other hand, or as I'll probably start calling them, uh, Fink the Binks side, much like Ben, very pleasantly surprised. And one of the questions was really going to be around, you know, what we were going to get from them this season. You know, both you guys are right. I think it's too early to, to you know, make too many judgments on things. But there are some early indications, as Ben was, was saying, that we might be about to see a slightly more adventurous and expansive St. Truden side, um, which bodes well and probably needs to happen because um, they don't score a lot of goals um, and without, as Ben was right to highlight, you know, um, a, a, a recognised striker, which ironically they did have at the club last season on loan in Gianni Bruno, um, then, you know, they, they, they're, they're not going to score as many as they would like, which means they've they've got a choice. Eh? They bring in that recognised striker, which I'm sure they're trying to do, um, or or the side becomes more expansive in, in the way that it plays and, and, and takes more risks. Um, which is what it was kind of trying to do here, um, certainly from what I saw of the game. And Abu Bakari Koita, you know, as both you guys were saying, you know, always has a screamer in him. And, you know, if there's anybody you want to maybe have a pop in the last few minutes of a game, it's 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 him. And that's what he did here. And um, probably goal of the weekend, really. Yeah, and he's probably going to have, well, if we're just kind of like from the outside looking in, it's kind of like he's going to kind of play a bit more like he did when he played for Bever and, uh, then last season at St. Sludan, like he's obviously had to be more restricted within the hollerback system, whereas now he's probably yeah. going to have a bit more freedom to, to shoot on site, which Joris won't enjoy, but uh, we will, <laughs> as he piles them into row Z uh, and fans have to start taking cover. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm really intrigued uh, to see some of these young guys for St. Sludan, especially the young Japanese players. They're, they're really interesting, um, but I still think it's going to be a long season for them. Um, but it could be an interesting, entertaining long season, if that's possible. Um, but yeah, pretty much agree with you guys on that. And that, that is every game from the weekend. Um, just a quick plug for our fantasy uh, league. Yes, we are going to try and do it again this year and actually keep on top of it this year. So if you haven't joined, there's still plenty of time because I'm currently rock bottom. Uh, so probably within a week, you'll have caught up with me. Um <laughs> Thought I'd be a bit too clever, clever, but yeah, we'll post it in the kind of show notes on the, um, on the app, and you can also find it on Twitter if you're looking for it there as well. So yeah, plenty of time to get involved in that. And I think that's probably about it for uh, this week's recording. Uh, as always, feel free to send in any questions that you have. Um, and if you haven't already, definitely listen to our pre-season preview. I know it's a long one, but maybe split it up over a couple of days and you'll you'll definitely get through it. It's definitely well worth a listen if we don't say so ourselves. It will kind of say what we said about all these teams. And yeah, you can kind of hear our opinions on all the different uh, different sides. We'll also be doing one for the Challenger Pro League. Um looking at the sides down there because their season gets underway shortly as well. And there's always a lot of interest um, from you guys. We know in the challenger pro league, given some of the sides that are down there. So yeah, look out for that as well. I think that's probably about it. Uh, Yoris and Scott, as always, it's been a pleasure sharing this space with you. 
It absolutely has. And uh, boy, is it is it good to be back. Um, just uh, just before we go, good luck to uh, all our Belgian sides in, in European action this weekend. And uh, have a great few days, everybody. And we'll, we'll see you uh, quite soon, actually. This week is what Scott means, of course, a quick lapses there. But that happens um, <laughs> for the European football. But uh, yeah, I uh, can't wait to, to be uh, to be. Yeah, talking again uh, next week. When do we record again? Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. yeah uh, definitely up for the season. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, poor Joris has had to sit uh, recording this while Genka struggling to beat 10-man Servet. Uh, I, do, quali- I, do not, I do not want to talk about this one yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so hopefully by the time we've released this and we'll finish, you can go and watch them, hopefully win it within the last five minutes of added time. But by the time you hear this, you'll have known exactly what happened. Um, but yeah, hopefully, hopefully we'll have all positives there. Um, but yeah, just before we go, if you do like what we do and the podcast we produce, please do do us a review on your podcast app of choice. It obviously helps us know that we're doing a good job and helps people find us that might be interested in learning a little bit more about the crazy world of Belgian football. But as always, thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Belgian Football Podcast and we'll be back soon with another one.